you with me to please turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 25. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 on Wednesday nights we've been talking about developing, uh, I'm sorry, we've been talking about making room for the Holy Ghost, making room for the Spirit of God. How important it is that we allow the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do, the way He wants to do it, and minister to us in a powerful way, just exactly the way that we see in the Word of God. I don't know where the idea got started that somehow or another we are in a modern day so we cannot expect the supernatural, but there's no scripture that tells us that. I don't know where people got the idea that God decided after just maybe a few decades that there wouldn't be any more miracles because there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us that. God is the same. And Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8 says, is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we know that everything he was, he still is. And everything he did do and could do, he still does and can do today. And so one of the keys is to learn to make room for the Holy Spirit, to make room for him. And what do we mean by that? Well, we started out, you know, looking at the uh, Shunammite woman who made the room, the literal room for Elisha the prophet, and how that whenever she had a great desire to have a child, she was childless when all this began, she recognized the anointing upon the man of God, and uh, she uh, wanted to fix a place for him so that he could have a place to rest on his travels back and forth, and so they did so. And so he wanted to know what could be done for her. She didn't need anything particularly, but she had one great desire, and that would be to have a child. And so God gave her a child, and he spoke that word through the prophet, and she had the child. So God gave her her greatest desire as she made room for the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, the child died. Several years later, as a, you know, he was a young kid, he died. And so then he got resurrected through the ministry of the same prophet, Elisha. So God met her greatest need because she had made room for the Holy Ghost. And so you see, if we learn how to make room, and what I mean by that is, is you just allow him to be all he wants to be and do all he wants to do in your life, if you will listen carefully to what he says, follow his directions. If you will yield to him, even in your worship and in your prayer time, it's going to take you out of yourself. What I mean by that is you'll probably do things you wouldn't normally do. Uh, the Holy Spirit is bigger than my little personality. He doesn't have the quirks I have. And if I will learn to follow him and listen to him, I'll get some of those quirks worked out of me. And, and I'll get into new dimensions where I could never get on my own. It's so important. And so we've been talking about that and different aspects of it. And today, I want to continue with uh, something we started last time when we're actually talking about the importance of developing spiritual sensitivity. Developing spiritual sensitivity. In Galatians 5 and 25, this verse says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also, meaning there's something else than just being alive spiritually or being born again. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That means that it's our lifestyle. It's what we do. We walk in the Spirit. Now, spiritual sensitivity we learned last time 
must be learned and developed. 1 Samuel chapter 3, we looked at verses 1 through 11 a couple weeks ago, and we looked at verse 19 and how that Samuel began learning how to hear God when he was just a boy. And he at first did not know the voice of the Lord. And so when God called, he thought it was Eli, his guardian at the time. And, of course, he went back and forth on that. And finally, Eli realized this is God talking to the child. And he said, if you hear him again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And that's exactly what he did. And for the rest of his life, Samuel heard the voice of God. He developed the ability to, to hear God. He developed spiritual sensitivity. Now, we know what sensitivity is. Just uh, think about if a little bit of dust even gets into your eye. We know how sensitive uh, our eyes are. On the other hand, uh, you, the bottom of your feet, you know, they're not quite that sensitive. There is a difference. And so being sensitive is being able to sense objects, information, movement, and activity, even on a small scale. And so what we want to do is get to the place where that even in the minor details of our lives, we know what God's saying. That we don't waste our time uh, being out of the will of God. We don't waste our time on our own thinking. And, of course, the more we're sensitive to God, the more we will hear Him, the more we will see what He's doing, and the more we'll know about His plans for our lives. And also, when you're sensitive to God, another great benefit of that is you will automatically become sensitive to the fact that when things are not right. So you'll also be very aware when the devil's trying to get in and mess things up. You will begin to realize when something isn't right. You may not know all the facts. You may not know why you are, as we say, feeling this way. But you know the Holy Ghost. And you know the word. And so eventually that may come out. But in the meantime, you learn to follow your spirit. So there are probably going to be some people before all this is over with that you're going to just sense, I don't need to get really close to them. I'm going to be nice to them. I'm going to do my part to be a believer around them. But, you know, I can't take them in as best friends, best buds. You know what I mean? And uh, there are a lot of situations like that that we, we need to be very careful that we're following God and not allowing the devil to bring to us a counterfeit. <coughs> we looked at, and we, or at least we mentioned, Psalm 42, 7, that says, Deep calleth unto deep. Now, what that means is that what is in you will respond to that which is in God. Deep calleth Unto deep. What's deep inside of you is, will always respond to that which is deep inside of God. We were created for a relationship with God. We were created for communication with the Creator. And of course, God doesn't lead us from without. He leads us from within. I never look to circumstances to determine if it's God's will or not. Numbers, whether they're financial numbers or the numbers of people, anything involved with ministry, I never look at that to determine if I'm in the will of God because God doesn't lead by circumstances. I don't look at outward circumstances to determine anything, whether or not it's the will of God. I don't look at my body to determine if it's God's will to heal me. I don't go by my symptoms. I don't go by how I feel. I don't believe I'm healed because I feel good. I don't believe I'm healed because there's no pain. I believe I'm healed because the Bible says so. 
Now, if that kind of goes over your head, you never heard that kind of talk before, you better rewind that tape and listen to that till you get it in your spirit. Because I guarantee you that there'll be all kinds of things in your life that will contradict the word in the beginning. The devil will try to see to it. All kinds of circumstances, I mean. All kinds of, of things that will happen in the world that will make it look like that, no, it's never going to work. Uh, this promise from God's not going to come to pass. It's not for you or whatever the devil might be lying to you about today. But I can tell you that we never look at circumstances to find the will of God. We look deep within. What is our spirit saying? And what are we hearing from heaven? And where is the peace of God? Amen. So we want to live so that the things of God and God himself stimulate our spirit. That's how we want to live. Now, we, we know that we're a three-part being. We're a spirit being, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. Feelings is the voice of the body. Your body always says, I feel. I feel hungry. I feel thirsty. I feel tired. I, I feel whatever, you know. Uh, feelings is the voice of your body. It's the most unreliable part of your being. The voice of the soul is reason. Reason. And you know, there's a place for reason and critical thinking and all that. Uh, the voice of the soul is reason, and the soul says, I think. The body says, I feel. The soul says, I think. Well, the I think part is all right as long as your thinking is in line with the Word of God. Amen. You know, when you hear people start saying, well, here's what I think, you know you're in for something. It might be good. It might not be good. It might be true, it may not be true. And so how do we judge? We judge based on truth. And Jesus said that his word is truth. Amen. Amen. And so reason is the voice of the soul. It says, I think. Now that means that there are things that seem to be reasonable in the natural, but God says, I can do better than that. You see, all of us deal with this all the time. Because if you walk by faith and not by sight, like Abraham did, like Jacob did, like Isaac did, like Paul did, like David did, if you walk by faith, not by sight, you will find yourself doing things and reacting to things that to the world seem unreasonable. Unreasonable. You know, I mean, just think about it. Is it reasonable to think that a kid about 17 years of age would go fight a veteran warrior that was probably somewhere between 9 and 11 feet tall with full armor and an armor bearer and that he would go out there with only a slingshot and five rocks. What's reasonable about that? Nothing. But at the end of the day, whose head was hanging up in the tent? The giant. If you want to get ahead in life... <laughs> you don't always go by that which is reasonable. You walk by faith and not by sight. There have been times in my life when, when the Lord has asked me to do things that seemed unreasonable. If I were to consult with, with people in the natural, they'd probably say, well, I wouldn't advise that. You probably shouldn't do that. But 
but faith supersedes human reason. Amen. And so I encourage you to, uh, to learn to move from not your feelings and not your soulish realm, but to learn to live after your conscience because conscience is the voice of your spirit. Feelings, the voice of the body. Reason, the voice of the soul. Conscience is the voice of our spirit. If feelings says, I feel, if reason says, I think, our conscience says, I know. I know. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. You know, when you know those kinds of things, it takes fear out of the equation. It, it allows you to live your life free of the burden and the weight of the spirit of fear. It allows you to know that even though you're in the midst of the storm, like Paul was in a 14-day storm one time out in the Mediterranean. <clears throat> and just a few days into it, he stood up and told everybody on the ship, don't fear. An angel of the God whose I am and who I serve appeared to me last night and, and I'm paraphrasing, you read it in Acts 16, uh, or Act, no, not Acts 16, I think it's Acts 26. But anyway, whatever it is, it's in there. 27, all right. 27? Uh, okay, 27, Acts 27. Thank God somebody knows where it's at. But it's in the book of Acts, chapter 27. But anyway, he said, you know, nobody's going to die. Have a sandwich. <laughs> he says, you know, you haven't eaten for days. Eat something. I mean, he didn't say have a sandwich, but, you know, that's the modern equivalent. Get something to eat. You need some strength. And, of course, you know the story. They all were saved. They all got to the island of Malta. And, uh, and after they, you know, that, that was tough. I mean, here all, they were on, in that storm for 14 days. It looked terrible. It looked so unreasonable that this could ever be worked out. This just didn't seem like it could ever happen. But Paul knew something. He had learned to listen to the voice of his conscience. He had learned to allow, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to him. He knew that he knew that he knew that when God spoke, it was going to happen. He didn't know all the how, and you don't know all the how, but I can tell you if God says it, it's so. And you know, after he got off onto the island, they were cold and, and wet, of course, and they were building a fire. It was raining. And so they built this big fire, and Paul was... Doing his part, I guess, went and got a bundle of sticks to put in the fire, and lo and behold, a viper came out and bit him. I mean, you'd, you'd think that the devil would realize this guy's probably not going to fall for anything. And what did he do? He shook it off in the fire. Shook it off in the fire. And so everybody was just standing around watching. They're waiting. He's going to drop dead any minute. He's going to drop dead any minute. And he just kept on. I don't know if they were roasting marshmallows, making s'mores. I don't know what was going on around that fire. He just kept on doing whatever they were doing, and he never fell dead. So then they changed their mind. They first thought he's a murderer. This thing's bit him because, you know, this is his just desserts, and uh, this guy's a bad dude, and so therefore, you know, this, this is his just d desserts. And so when he didn't die, they determined he's a god. 
So let me just throw this out too. Don't ever, don't ever make any important decision based on uh, what people think or what they say. Because one day they think you're a murderer. The next day they think you're a god. Uh, one day they're crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And three days later they're calling crucify him. So, uh, you know, you can't live by people's opinions. Amen? Amen, amen. So how can I be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? What are some keys to being sensitive to the Holy Spirit? You know, I've been walking with the Lord a long time, and I'm not where I want to be in this regard. I'm still working on this. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And so the things I'm going to tell you are things that I'm telling myself. And so I hope you'll You'll listen and get some things out of it. Um, but let's go down our list. Let's begin. Number one, and this kind of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, attend to the Word first and foremost. The Bible is the language of God. The Bible is the language of God. Music has a vocabulary. Mechanics has a vocabulary. Medicine has a vocabulary. The law has a vocabulary. Aviation has a vocabulary. And on and on we could go. And to operate effectively in any of these realms, you have to know that language. That's part of learning to be uh, a good mechanic, a doctor, a lawyer, uh, an airline pilot, or an airline mechanic, or whatever. You have to learn the language of the discipline that you're operating in. And if we're going to learn the language of God, we have to learn our Bible. We have to learn what the Word says. It has to become final authority. It has to be that which we judge everything else by. We have to have confidence that if the Bible says it, then that's God speaking to me. And so John 10 and 4, John chapter 10, verse 4, says that God's sheep know his voice, the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so I would encourage you to confess regularly that I hear and I know the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of the stranger I don't follow. Because if you are sold out to God and the devil knows that he's not going to be able to get you to do some crazy thing and throw your faith away, throw your Christianity away, if he, if he can't get you to backslide, in other words, then the next thing he would like to do is to somehow confuse you and get you off track with some kind of false doctrine or some other thing that renders you ineffective in your witness and also would stop your faith. So it's important that you build your faith based on Scripture in the fact that you know and you hear the voice of God. Number two, talking about practical instructions to be, to be spiritually sensitive. Number two, keep your mind uncluttered. Keep your mind uncluttered. Think about many garages you've seen. You don't want your mind to look that way. <laughs> Think about many basements you've seen. You don't want your mind. <laughs> To look that way. I'm a <laughs> so we have a running joke in our family about basements. Uh, anyway, keep your mind uncluttered. There are so many voices. The Bible says there are many voices. 
Each of them are significant. In other words, they are unique. There are so many voices, but I know that you realize you can only listen to one at a time. You can only listen to one voice at a time. So I want to ask you, whose voice do you hear the most? How much time do you spend with unprofitable things? I'm going to give you a list, and I'm not saying any of these things are sinful in and of themselves. But they can be a hindrance. You could use them to sin. You could get uh, addicted in some of these areas to the wrong thing. But ask yourself, what, what's my relationship to the television? What's my relationship to the internet, to radio, to secular music? And what kind of relationship do I have and how much am I listening to people who don't listen to God? We need to guard our heart. Proverbs chapter 4 talks about that, guarding your heart. You don't need to let just everybody speak into your life. You don't need to listen to everything that's out there. If there's one thing the last few years has taught us in this country is that you can't always trust the news media. You can't always trust people in places of authority politically. You can't always trust people in places of authority medically, legally, or any other place. That doesn't mean there aren't good people there. That doesn't mean there aren't some people you can trust. But you have to be so careful that you don't live your life based on what you heard on some news report, quote-unquote, or something you saw on the Internet, you know. People get so deceived by the Internet. Like one person said, their, their kid asked him, said, Dad, when you were young, did, did you have imaginary friends when you were a kid? He said, no, son, we didn't have Facebook back then. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Make a daily appointment with God. And in that appointment, do some listening as well as talking. A lot of people have a daily appointment, and they have it very regimented. And, and maybe they're very busy, and, and it's needful that they keep their time budgeted properly. I, I can understand that. But if you're not careful, your appointment with God will become you going down all your lists of things you're believing for, lists of your confessions, and lists of the people that you want to pray for and things you want to pray about. And you can read your daily reading. Maybe you've got to read through the Bible program in a year or something like that. That's all wonderful. Um, but if you never listen, you're missing the best part of your appointment. It'd be just like if I needed legal advice and I went to the best lawyer that I could find and I was going to pay the price it takes and I had a whole hour and I paid hundreds of dollars at least for an hour and for 56 minutes I told them all the stuff that was on my mind and I gave that attorney 
four minutes to give me his best advice. How many of you know something's wrong with that picture? But people do this with God. I mean, God's smarter than your lawyer. And he's cheaper, too. I'm telling you, we need to learn to listen. We need to learn to listen. And just get before God and, and be quiet and listen to him. And then we need to stay focused on what he says. And he'll lead you and he'll guide you. Let's look at number three. We're trying to run through these really quickly. Number three, the third key to being spiritually sensitive, making room for the Holy Ghost, is keep yourself clean spiritually. Keep yourself holy. We've referenced Amos 5.15 in the past, not all that long ago here in other services, about how that holiness in this passage is defined so simply and so well when Amos basically says, chapter 5, verse 15, that holiness is loving what God loves and hating what God hates. Now, that's not exactly how the verse reads, but you, if you read it, you will see what I'm saying. Holiness is not a set of legalistic instructions that somebody else has, but it is loving what God loves and hating what God hates. Holiness sets boundaries. And those boundaries are based on what God says to us through the Word and by the Holy Spirit. That's what we call convictions. Something we're convinced of. Through the Word and by the Holy Spirit, we are convinced that this is the will of God. So we set the boundaries on our lives based on what God says to us through the Word and by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just quickly point out the difference between conviction and legalism. A conviction is something that you know from God. Through His Word and by the Holy Spirit, you just sense, this is the way I need to live. I need to maybe not do that, or I'm, I need to maybe do this. Legalism, however, is when somebody else tells you what to do or what not to do. Not God, not your own conscience, not the Word, but somebody. Maybe He's a preacher. Maybe some group, some denominational structure, whatever. Legalism is when somebody else tells you what to do and what not to do. And I can tell you it is extremely frustrating to try to live and be manipulated by somebody else's convictions. Amen. Amen. I remember one time somebody got very angry at me and, and Glenna because we went on a beach vacation and we did not go down, we didn't go to a nude beach. We were decent. But somebody that I knew had m their own convictions about things and actually was in tears that we had went to the beach for a vacation. And so while we were in the middle of this heated conversation, I just said, well, sister, you know, I hear that you smoke. Now, I'm telling you, you do whatever you want to, but I'd rather go to the beach and smoke any day. <laughs> and don't tell me you want to go to the beach and smoke. You, you know, no, we're not going to do both. She said, well, she said, there's nothing wrong with a cigarette and a Pepsi in the privacy of your own home. 
That's what she said. Which revealed the fact that she had a set of convictions and I had a set of convictions. They weren't the same. And when you try to put your convictions especially in non-essential areas, over into somebody else's life, you're trying to control them. And that kind of manipulation is witchcraft. Somebody said, well, uh, you mean you don't smoke? No, I don't smoke. And you say, well, well, I do. Well, you have to talk to God about it. You'll probably get to heaven before I do. <laughs> and you may say, well, will I go to hell? No, but you'll smell like you've been there. I could have not said all that, could I? <laughs> Live your convictions and preach the word. That's what preachers need to know. Now, there are obvious scriptural boundaries, but some of those places are kind of subtle, and they become very personal. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart. Whew, I've got about five minutes. Can we handle some more? Amen. So we walk in the grace of God, and grace is not a life without parameters. God's boundaries will protect us and position us for His best. Isaiah 119 says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So obey those things that you see in His Word and those things His Spirit deals with you about. Let's look at one more at least. And that next one is to stay connected with spiritual people. And I didn't say weird people. <laughs> Stay connected with spiritual people. People who are led by and know the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's a verse in Proverbs 27, verse 17, that says, Iron sharpens iron. So a man will sharpen the countenance of his friend. Now, I don't know how many of you, probably most of you, maybe all you ladies have never done this, but, and some of you guys have probably sharpened an axe or a hatchet the old-time way with a file. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you put the, you know, you got an axe. You know what a double-bitted axe is? And you put that axe, you know, maybe in a vice or something, or you put it, you know, one of, the, one of the ways you can do it is just put it down in a stump, and it's up there ready for you, and you take the file and you begin to file. Well, the file actually cuts some of the metal off the blade. And there's friction. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you first do that, you don't maybe always realize what's happening unless somebody tells you. But if you reach down and you grab that, that uh, blade, it'll burn your fingers because of the friction that comes when iron sharpens iron, or steel in this case, and so sometimes when you connect with spiritual people, there'll be some friction. Because they will, sometimes, I've been around people, their life convicted me. And I don't consider myself a hellion. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I've never been in jail or anything. But, but there are people whose lives convicted me. I realize they're in a different level. They're in a different plane. They know God better than I do. They are someplace that I'm not yet there. But I know I can get there. I can get there. And one of the ways I'll get there is by hanging out with those kind of people. Amen? So that kind of friction is a good thing. Don't just hang out with your peers. Don't always seek out people that are dumber than you. 
You know, that, that's a recipe for uh, uh, never growing. You want to be stretched. You want to be sharpened. You want to be around people who are your, as this is an old-fashioned term that's not in vogue today in this society, but I'm going to say it anyway. You want to be around your elders and betters. Not that God loves them more than you, but they've got stuff you don't have yet, and, and they can teach you how to get it. That's what you want to do. You want to hang around with people like this. Allow yourself to be stretched. Don't just hang around with your peers. You know, the son of Solomon, Rehoboam, he made that mistake. Solomon died. He inherited this marvelous, rich position in this kingdom. And uh, he decided to consult with the kids that he grew up with. He decided to consult. They were all men now, but he decided to consult with his peers. And he also then, he consulted with his father's peers or his elders. His elders says, if you'll be good to these people and you will not burden them with too many taxes and you will not be, we might say today, a dictator, if you'll be a good king, he said, they will serve you and it'll all be good. His friend said, where your dad's thumb was down on him, he said, you let it be so hard to be like your thigh on them. In other words, where he did something, you do it heavier. You do it harsher. Well, Rehoboam took the countenance of his peers, not his elders. It did not end well. It did not end well. You see, we've got to know uh, that God puts people into our lives to help us, to counsel us, yes, but also to show us the way by example. Amen. Let me give you this one last one. Now, I've got more on the list, but this will be the last one for tonight. Be quick to obey and be quick to repent. Be quick to obey the Holy Spirit. If you want to make room for the Holy Spirit, developing a relationship of sensitivity with the Holy Spirit, then you've got to be quick to obey Him. You know, you don't need 15 signs. You don't need 30 people to call you on the phone and tell you, I think it's the will of God. You don't need to consult with 40 people to see what they think. That's a real good way to get confused, by the way. Amen. But be quick to obey what you know to be the will of God. And, and you can start in little things so that you can develop the sensitivity you need. You know, one good place to start that won't kill you is in finances. The reason I bring that up is because if you wait until you've got a terminal disease before you try to develop this, you could very well die before you get there. Because this kind of development doesn't come overnight. I didn't say there won't be a miracle for you. I didn't say that you couldn't get anything. But I've seen so many people wait too late to get serious with God. And so before they say cancer, before they say uh, you know, this is, this is incurable, this is chronic, we can't do anything anymore. Before it gets to that point, why don't you see what God would have you do Sunday in the offering? Amen. What God would have you to do in those kind of areas? What does the Holy Spirit tell you to do about how you treat your husband? Or your wife? You know, just... These things are not life and death, but learn to listen. Because if you learn to listen to God in 
in little things, and I'm not saying those are necessarily little, but if you learn to listen to God in things that are not like life and death emergencies, then when you get to an emergency time, you'll know God. Many times um, uh, we've gotten a call or something's happened uh, with somebody that we love or somebody we know or even somebody in the family. And, uh, and it's urgent, yes. It needs to be taken care of, yes. But you know in your heart it's going to be okay. You see, you know the voice of the conscience is, I know. And so you can just pray, yes. Pray in tongues, yes. But you can also rejoice that it's going to be just exactly as God has said. Amen. So be quick to obey and also be quick to repent. You know, that's not always easy, especially when you're right. You know, when you're right and, and uh, you know you're right, but yet somehow you've just uh, said it in the wrong way. You've gotten a little off track with your temper about it, and you've gotten pretty hot and heated about it, and, and you know you're right. But how many of you know you can be right and be wrong? Amen. You can say the right thing in the wrong way and mess up. Anybody married? You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Sure, yeah, that's the way life works. Be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. And be quick to forgive. And if you will be quick to, for, to repent and quick to forgive, then God will be able to just take you on to the next place and keep you moving forward. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. What does that verse mean? That means God's looking throughout the whole earth for somebody to bless. Amen. I want him to be able to find me. Amen. I hope that at least one of these points tonight has struck home to help us to make room for the Holy Spirit and develop our spiritual sensitivity. Father, we're grateful, thankful for your word. We thank you for the anointing and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts those things you want us to retain, take home with us, and to think on and meditate on and to be a doer of in the coming days. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus.